We were in Jordan playing in the second round of Olympic qualifications. The FIFA official straight up tells us you have to forfeit. You cannot play this game. It wasn't registering to me what she meant. Why is everyone crying? Did the other team forfeit? Mahintaj. Afat. Shahpar. Mahvash. Parivash. Chibatkar. Malatkar. Shuvarkar. In this episode, we tackle a question by Sam. He or she asks, In one of your previous episodes, you talk about women not being allowed in football stadiums in Iran. Don't Iranian women play football? How come Iran has a national team? Welcome to Ask an Iranian. I'm your host, David, and I'm here with my co-host, Mohammad. Yeah. In this episode, we talk to Kat Khosroya, am I doing that right, about women's football in Iran. She tells the story of her first visit to Iran and how it ended up with her playing for Iran's national women's team. Yes, Iran's first women's national team since the Islamic Revolution. She explains about the restrictions placed on female football players in Iran as well as outside. A sad story that led to Iran's team having to forfeit the 2012 Olympics, unfortunately. So, let's get on with the show. Let's get on with the show. Mohammed, look who it is. Katayun? It is. It is Katia. her. I'd like to say Katiana. her family name, but I'm going to butcher it like in the 60 minutes right, interview so. as well. Let's give it a go. So, Khosroyar. That was right. That's good. So, Katia, Katayun, Katiana. Khosroyar. <laughs> Do you have any other name? You can just call me Kat. 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 <laughs> All right. We like cats. We Persian do. cats, especially. Persian cats, especially. Yeah, yeah. although cat isn't fully Persian. Cat is not fully Persian. No. No, but she has a mix. Fill us in. Let us know. Yeah. Well, we are American, Iranian with a Russian twist. Oh, <laughs> how exciting. The Russian twist. So, Kat, you are better known for football things. A little bit here and there. Do you want to give us a quick bio? How quick are we talking about? I'm 33 years old. There's nothing quick about that. <laughs> well, so I started playing football or soccer. I don't know what your guests you know, prefer to hear, but... I'll Let's be... keep it a football. Mohammed would prefer well, to have I'll, soccer. I'll interchange in between yeah. both of them. Yeah, mix it up. So I started playing soccer when I was five. Uh, the main reason was that my father always wanted to have a child that can play football or soccer properly. Hmm. And uh, it was mainly just, you know, because in the U.S., all the daughters were playing some sports and, you know, he's like, I'm going to make sure that my daughter is going to get involved and we're going to get her involved in soccer. So he didn't know that I was going to keep excelling step by step in every level possible when it came to it. The coaches were like, you know, she's outstanding. She has this amazing speed. She can defend, she can tackle, she's fearless. And, you know, she's broken her toes, but does not say anything until after the game. So he figured Mashallah. out, I know, I know. So it was a resilience and grit, all of that together. And, the only way you can see that side of me was in soccer. But in school, I was the most shy person in the world. I um, Social life, you know, was very minimal. But when it came to, you know, going on the soccer field, I was just a whole different person. I felt more of myself than anywhere else in the world. So that's where, you know, he decided to invest more in me. All the camps that I went to uh, all over the world. I went to an Arsenal camp. I went to all the Women World Cups. Full disclosure, David is a big Arsenal Football club fan, the Arsenal. I, I've heard. I've say. heard something else though. <laughs> oh, is he? Are you? You are. I yeah, you're I'm, not. I'm. I'm not a fan of soccer in general. Oh, then why am I here? <laughs> <laughs> because I'm not a fan of women as well. Still, you're here. 
<laughs> well, I'm, I'm, you keep looking at me, so you must be a fan. No, I like women, but uh, <laughs> women who are seen but not heard. So, okay, yeah. <laughs> okay. Well, well, we'll get to those statements later. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> Uh, well, since you're wearing a mask, I can't get your full facial expression. Oh, I have and the biggest I need to grin see of my your life hands on the table all the time. <laughs> no, 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 no. <laughs> <laughs> my hands are not the problem. I'm a football player, so it's oh, the legs. Shit. Yeah, right. <laughs> Back to you know football life. Up until I was 17, I was playing professionally um, at a very professional club. I was invited to the national U.S. team. Nice. And uh, around 2005, I found out more about my Iranian heritage where, you know, my parents did not do us any favors growing up of teaching us another language, hmm. uh, about our, another culture, nothing. All I knew was... Sounds familiar, Kat. Sounds familiar. Been I, there. You've been... I, I, <laughs> Same problem. I can't wait to hear more about your side because it's just not fair. They took away something from us and we had to come to a country, did not speak their language. Most likely, the, our first friends taught us all the wrong words because I learned first all the profanity of Farsi than nice. I did before well, I learned anything else. It's funny you say that because uh, where I learned my uh, most creative Persian was in Azadi Stadium. Oh, God. Now <laughs> I can see uh, in the main stadium in Tehran, uh, the biggest stadium in, who knows, probably the Middle East. It's, it's huge. It's the fourth largest in Asia. It was fourth largest in Asia. I know Qatar because of the World Cup, they've been building a lot bigger ones, but yeah. it's a pretty big one. I've mentioned it a couple of times on the podcast, but I, I went there uh, not knowing any Persian and started to mimic that which was being said around the stadium, to which my friends were saying to me, David, don't say that stuff. And I was like, what? And I can't say, because you know, everyone was shouting, Koskesh, basically. Oh, uh, God, the like KKs. That, that. All the <laughs> yeah, KKs. Yeah, there, there were a whole lot of KKs going on. <laughs> and uh, it was... Oh, you know, there are three Ks, right? Ah. What? Oh, God. Oh, God. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. We're going to move away from this topic. That's another episode. But uh, yeah, so I learned a whole lot of uh, Persian there. It was the last game of the season. And it, I think it was the last time that Estaglal won as well. And I said to my friends, whoever wins, I'll be the supporter of that team. So you're Whoops, there you go. I've revealed that I'm blue. You uh, are blue. Yeah. I wanted to ask you, actually, because uh, Tehran has two main teams, huge rivalry between right. the two. And they are Persepolis, which is the red team, and Estaglal. And the blue team. Yeah. And uh, which are you? Oh, I mean, this is such a difficult question because I did not grow up watching either of them. And because mm -hmm. when I came to Iran, I went strictly towards national team. Mm -hmm. But because of the fact that my father's side, they're Azadi, mm -hmm. I genetically supposed to say, genetically and spiritually and everything else, supposed to say I'm a Traktor Sazi fan. Oh, <laughs> that's, that's actually my real team. Okay. Because I'm a, we're Azadi too. You're Azadi too? Yeah. Okay. Tarakhtur. Tarakhtur, Azadi, yeah. Like that. Yes. <laughs> I'm a very proud Azadi woman. And uh, growing up, I did know about Traktor Sazi. I did not know about Persepolis and Esaflal, though. So you no claims to either of those at the moment? I respect both of them. I really like very both teams. Camp. And, um, you know, both, both. I know the head coaches of both of the teams uh, very well. I've been you know, following them as far as like the technical side, because they've been doing so good in Asia. Mm, so I the police, of course, not Estaglal. Where are they these days? They've been going towards, you know, the semifinals of uh, the, oh, really? the Asian okay. Champions League. Well, and, I couldn't you know, name whatnot. a single member of any of the teams. So. <laughs> no, but I mean, Farhad Majidi, he's a great young coach. And, you know, he's uh, he's come a long way. The previous coach of Persepolis Bronco, I, you know, he was one of my mentors. Mm -hmm. So, I, like I said, I respect both teams phenomenally. Okay. Very diplomatic. Farhad Majidi, I thought, was a director. <laughs> no? He could be. No? He probably is as Farhad, well. He's the young guy. Search him. Kat, let's get back to the 
bio. I also learned recently that you and I both fresh off the boat, turned up in Iran on the same year, completely ignorant um, oh, of the place. So that was back in 2005. Correct me if I've got it wrong, but you were about to leave a few days before you were about to leave. And hence, well, this became the beginning of your introduction to Team Meli, or oh, the yes. national team and the development as it was then. Correct. So prior to coming to Iran, um, I'll just give you a little background information. I had dreadlocks, red hair, and two eyebrows piercings. So that's how I entered Mehrabad airport. <laughs> oh, I did not know anything about the hijab or the manto or nothing, really? but they were so nice to me at the airport. Lady in line just kind of gave me one of hers to borrow, and that's what I wore. Oh. You know, that's how I entered Tehran. Then, uh, because you sure it wasn't Taraf? <laughs> she was like, oh my God, bitch took it. <laughs> no, no, no. She was so nice. Such a lovely lady. She, she you know, let me use it and take it. Okay. And I never saw her after that. But you know, <laughs> yeah. if she's hearing this, thank you so much. So what happened was that I was supposed to be here only for two weeks. I had a carry-on. I didn't bring much with me here. And because I was still playing very professionally at a high level, and when I would return back to the U.S., we had a very important game against Japan and uh, some other teams that were coming to the U.S. for a little tournament. So I had to prepare and be at my best when I go back. So I started training here. There was no women's football and there was only women's soccer or futsal. So it's indoor, five aside. Mm. And there was a gym. That's all I had. Mm. So when I was playing futsal with the girls there, like they were like, you are tackling us. You cannot tackle us in futsal. You are crossing the ball. You cannot do that. (laughs) You are jumping up and heading and all of these like weird things that we've never seen. It's so foreign to us. Why are you playing futsal? I'm like, well, this is the only thing that Mm. kind of resembles football. But, you know, what can I do? Being Iranian, being in Iran, one thing that you guys have, everyone knows is that talk goes around very fast in Mm. town. So within a couple of days... Everyone heard about this American girl who's talking the hell out of us and giving us bruises. So (laughs) people from the Federation heard about it and they actually came to come watch me. Hmm. And then within just a couple of sessions of them watching me, they, the head coach or the the to-be head coach, Shahzad Mozaffar, she told me that we're starting the first women's national football team. Would I, would I like to be a part of this? Okay. This is the most fantastic opportunity as a 17 year old, but you know, I have the U.S. on my mind. I wanted to be on the U.S. national team. But when she told me that I would be making history and I would be helping um, make history after 40 years of no national team, women would never had you know that opportunity to be a part of this game. I decided why the hell not. I'm hmm. definitely going to stay and do something for the greater good. Did Iran have a women's national team? Before the revolution? Yes. Oh. Um, the only information I have of that is that they have played against Brazil or Italy at mm-hmm. the Azadi mm-hmm. Stadium. And they were playing with, you know, completely different uh, uh, wardrobe, I would like to say. Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, they, they they did have a national team. Oh, okay. Like different how? So those they were wearing shorts? Yeah, they were wearing their shorts, yeah. short sleeve shirts. Yeah. And uh, they were playing at the Azadi Stadium. Mm-hmm. They had fans coming watch, both men and women. Um, but now... You know, post that you had the Islamic Revolution. So I had to actually, I think this is the perfect time to say this story. So when I first moved to Iran and got invited to the national team, my first day of training, I did not know I had to wear a hijab, longer pants and a longer shirt. So I came with shorts and a shirt and I had my ponytail high up with my Nike headband. I went towards the field to start warming up before training started. Mm -hmm. So I always needed an extra amount of time for warming up. And I remember people were chasing me on the field. They're like, <laughs> So I had, you know, I had a, a whole different um, 
I mean, it was just completely different. I mean, it wasn't that I got offended by it. I was just honestly trying to fit in as much as I could. Mm. It was different. I've never played with hijab, pants, and um, a long sleeve shirt in 40 degrees weather. But uh, Kat, can you yeah. describe the the hijab? Because it's that can mean different things, I think, to different people. But the okay. way I've seen it, it's quite strictly like tightly covering the head. Yes. So it's a tight headscarf that covers the neck, ears, and just goes all the way around your head. And you know, only your face is showing. So you should have a very beautiful face for that type of hijab. And then uh, you wear long sleeve uh, shirts and uh, it comes like below the bum and, mm -hmm. you know, baggy your pants. So this was, in a, it's all made out of polyester. It's not like the most... Mm like amazing technology of uh, what's it called cloth, but mm. it was challenging. It, it was a lot to take in at first because I've never trained that way before, mm. but if the other, my, my teammates could do it, you know, why couldn't I do it? So we're all in this together. But um, for those of you who don't know, just imagine a ninja with baggier clothes playing football. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, the clothes cannot be tight, like no leggings. Uh, so uh, back so, when I yeah. started, yeah, leggings were not a part of the the wardrobe. But like mm. now, it's a little bit more lenient. You can wear it, bag your shorts with leggings under it. Mm. But we had like our shorts were coming under our knees. And, yeah. Mm. So lines or curves are slightly more tolerated nowadays. Yeah. While we're on the subject, of course, in 2011, before the London Olympics, oh yeah, <laughs> there was a bit of an issue. Would you like to talk about that? Now we're in this, <laughs> in this yes sort of subject area. So I. And the national team, we were in the second round of Olympic qualifications. And, hmm. you know, we honestly thought that we were going to make it to the Olympics. You know, all of us put everything to the side. I put my school to the side, which I was studying in the UK, by the way. Birmingham. Um, Birmingham. Good curry. Very good curry. And, <laughs> there you go. Oh, it's, yeah. I never knew they were speaking English to me the first month. It was a completely <laughs> different All right, Mike. Accent. You're right. How you doing there, Mohammed? Yeah, so we were in Jordan playing in the second round of Olympic qualifications. Then this lady from Bahrain, who's a FIFA official, she straight up tells us that you guys are not allowed to be on the field. You have to forfeit. You cannot play this game. And I heard it, but honestly, I didn't think that it wasn't registering to me what she meant. And I just kind of see the head coach crying, the players crying. I'm like, what the hell is going on right now? Why is everyone crying? Did the other team forfeit? <laughs> Maybe that was the, you know, it should have been a happy tier, but definitely was not that. So imagine all these years of preparation to go to the Olympics. The first time we were forced to forfeit. We were playing against Thailand and uh, Vietnam and Jordan. Mm -hmm. Why Why was it? Oh, uh, the hijab. The hijab was the factor. So imagine... We started playing football in 2005. So Iran was the first national team where every player had to wear it. And then you had all the other countries around the world where they would have a couple players who would wear the hijab. Mm -hmm. They weren't allowed to play either because they said that it, oh. signed, it could harm the player. That's, Strangulation, I think, was the... Right it, was, it was, but the hijab wasn't actually... Um, when they, they were testing it, it, it wasn't actually doing that to us. It was more of they had to come up with laws that if a player pulled the hijab down, that they would have to be actually given a card or something like that. And they didn't want to do that. Oh, but they, yeah, they, okay. they, they were so, so that would be considered removing. A it's like taking off the shorts of a, of yeah, a fellow clothes. player. Yeah. For them, it's just a whole you know different ball game when it comes to hijab and because huh. it's never happened. So at the time, it was Seth Blatter who was the FIFA president, and his you know motto was that the way women's football can become more famous 
and get more sponsors is if women wear shorter shorts and tighter shirts. And then all of a sudden, here comes the Iran national team with hijab, baggy clothes, mm. and you know. I mean, all that, that could have fulfilled a few people's kinks, though. I yeah. think it, so. It should have looked at it like that. I like, think so. No, it would have definitely gotten a lot of attention. Of certain, Who wouldn't want to see right? these girls from Iran or anywhere else in the world where they, uh, you know, wear hijab and all of that? It's just such a different, yeah, uh, point of view. Mm. What do you want to say? There. You want to say something, something and you don't know. <laughs> no, I, I know exactly what I want to say, but I'm not going to say. So. <laughs> I'm surprised you're out here. I think I... I no, I actually, you're him. scaring me. Like, I can't... <laughs> cut, so cut you're your g- giving other girls bruises and you know we identify as Persian girls, so... I wanted to ask, does that mean we can't go into Azadi Stadium? Should we get onto this subject about the Let's do it. stadium? Because I saw in 2018 you did go into the stadium and uh, you'd arranged for a certain section of the stadium, if I'm not mistaken. Yes, but let me rewind a little oh, okay. bit. So in 2005, when I first moved here, the national team that you know, I was a part of, we were invited to watch Libya versus Iran. And... Honestly, for me, this was a very normal situation to watch a man's team play against another man's team. And as a woman fan, I don't care if I'm a man or a woman or whatever it is, but I'm sitting there enjoying the game. Mm. But all of my teammates were floored. They were going mental, taking pictures. At the time, there was no Instagram, but it was such a magical moment for them. I didn't understand why. Mm. Later, I found out that, you know, they've never been to the stadium before. And this was the first time they were invited to go. Mm. Mm. So fast forward a little bit to 2018. At the time, the president of the Football Federation pushed for women to come watch the Iran versus Bolivia game. And that was the first time after such a long time where it was not just the national team to come watch, but other female participants and fans. Mm. And I believe the new FIFA president is pushing for this change. I think it's really important that women come and join the most beautiful game in the world at the stadium. And why the heck not? I, well, Kat, can I interject there? Because yeah. personally, I think women shouldn't go to Azadi Stadium. But as a point of equality, I think men also shouldn't go uh, to the stadium <laughs> because I've been there. I've seen how much of a shit show horror movie it is. Yeah. It's a health hazard. <laughs> In many meanings <laughs> of the word, I think nobody should be allowed to go to the stadium. I mean, it's not just Azadi Stadium that I'm talking about. I mean, I'm going to open it to all stadiums. Azadi Stadium by itself, um, I, I've been there a few times, and you're right, the infrastructure for men and women is not there. The first time I went there, I, I think I've learned every profanity word ever exactly. there. And there, the bathrooms are just disgusting, and there's the infrastructure is just not good. So. Yeah. But put that aside, the other stadiums across Iran, they're actually very well maintained. How about Tractor Sozi? Are they, how's this? Oh, Have you been? It, oh yeah, it's I'm gold. Jealous. You've it's been? gold. <gasps> it's pure gold. Yeah, they've done, a, they've done an amazing job with their stadium. Wow. Hmm. Yeah. <laughs> Good for them, Turks. Yeah. What do you think? Should okay. women be allowed in stadiums? I mean, that's my in, question. In, in, in Iran or around the world? <laughs> anywhere I mean, it, this is such a you know such a backwards question it's like should women be driving i mean i don't think about it that way um if you feel like to you want to go to the stadium to watch a game go watch a game at the stadium why not great so should there be an infrastructure to separate men and women in a stadium if you are living in a country like Iran, where you know there is uh, a separation, the infrastructure should be mm. made where women can yeah. also participate and enjoy the game comfortably. 
um, other parts of the world where people are accustomed and have the the platform for it, I don't think it really makes much of a difference mm-hmm. if men and women go together or not. But but that's because they've been doing it for such a long time. But if Iran wants to start it, it needs to start it implementing it little by little. So you know everyone kind of gets used to the, you know this new newfound way of going to a stadium. Well, actually, that, that's if the force that is resisting women from going to the stadium, that is series of ideas and social norms. That it's it's all about here. social norms. Um, I think with what's been happening right now, they have been taking it st- like little by little mm-hmm. with a grain of salt, honestly. And it's just a matter of educating the the public about, okay, so women do want to go to the stadium. Women are very interested to go watch a mm-hmm. man's game. Um, I personally like to do it as a fan, as well as someone who just wants to watch the dynamic of the coach and the players and just to see what live what's happening. But um, a country like Iran, where 40 years, women were not allowed to go into the stadium. Mm. You can't just be like, okay, doors are open. No, 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 absolutely. I mean, there, yeah. there needs to be a very strong breakdown of how to implement that strategy yeah. so people can also get accustomed to it. Mm. It's a very different world. Specifically in the realm of, of Iran. soccer. Especially because soccer, <laughs> is, uh, it's the most sensitive sport. I mean, it, either it will, planet, people, yes. it, will, it will put people on their cars dancing and partying till four or five in the morning, mm-hmm. or it, they will, it will break out fights and people will, will be depressed for a very long time. Yeah. So emotionally, um, the Iranians are very in tune with uh, their, their teams as well as their national team. Mm-hmm. So no, that's true. A, it's and, an emotional uh, roller coaster. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And it's not also limited to Iran. So everywhere, soccer is uh, probably safe for it is. United States. I mean, no, the, the, <laughs> soccer the, the, is very the, important for everyone. The, the thing is, is that in the U.S., now that I, I'm there now, it's only important because right now the girls, it's a whole pay-to-play situation. The girls are playing soccer to get the scholarship to go to college. Maybe they will get invited to come to a couple national team camps or whatnot. But here it's what their their life depends on football. They enjoy it so much. You have five-year-old kids, you have 90-year-old individuals playing, you have everyone in between playing. Like it's like the talk, the topic of um, every discussion on a dinner table, lunch, this, like wherever mm. you go, you're talking about that. That's one connection people have very strongly in Iran. But in the U.S., people don't care if you were playing soccer, who yeah. you are um, a major fan of. They don't really mm. care that much. But here, it is their life. <laughs> yeah. So one of these uh, World Cups when U.S. was also taking part in men's team, I kept telling like the Americans, uh, oh, your team lost. And they were like, what team? <laughs> Except your soccer team in the World Cup. So what's World Cup? Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, but anywhere else, I think uh, it is one of the most... The most popular, the most popular yeah. events. It is fair to say it somehow is more popular than the Olympics. Yeah, definitely, definitely. <laughs> Especially if you're a football fan, and if you're from a country that um, has gone to the World Cup many times, like mm. Iran, it's a, uh, it's 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 the biggest platform for connecting people across mm. the entire country. Doesn't mm. matter if you're living in a small village middle of nowhere, Bandara bus, or you're living in a major city like in um, Tabriz, for example, everyone knows what's happening on a minute-to-minute basis uh, with their national team and with their their pro team. Yeah, so it is so popular and so sensitive. I mean, I went to Saudi Arabia and a lot of people would um, 
learned that I'm Iranian and they would start yelling like Ali Dai and names of like Iranian mm. uh, Ali football Dai, players. The top international goal scorer still holds the record if I'm not mistaken. Yes. Yeah, so that dude who we'll was see, so We'll see tall. what happens with Cristiano. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> won't break now, it. So it, it so it kind of like surpassed all other religious and uh, political and in case of Iranians and Saudis racial sort of differences. I don't I don't know anything about football. I was blessed with a family that didn't give a rat's ass about football, and I didn't know what a World Cup was, and I had never heard about football. So I thought it was something you played on the street. With uh, uh, the with the other kids, I would never watch it. But every single Iranian, as you say, they love football. That includes women. That also I didn't know until like five, six years ago. I actually saw women that are really passionate about football and they knew the name of players and stuff like that. And I was, I'd never seen this. I mean, I thought only men liked it. And uh, they made a movie, like a documentary, I guess, about women being in the stadium that was when i first knew that women can't go to the stadium and why oh, wow. so for someone who doesn't really care about any of that uh that just goes right next to the other things women cannot do in iran but it's also kind of i think we all agree that it cannot be opened up opened up oh i mean in a GIF. i mean i i i think your train of thought was you know it was very widespread but Women getting involved in football or futsal is actually very open. Mm. Uh, when I first came to Iran, there were already 40,000 futsal players, but zero football players because mm. there was no uh, infrastructure or a platform for that. But now you have um, all the provinces in Iran. They have one, if not two major football teams. The women are getting paid. For every football team, you have at least 20 futsal teams. So women are active. In, in that sport at the highest level. Uh, our women's national futsal team are back-to-back -back Asian champions. And, uh, you know, they're, they're national heroes. So they have opened the door, not just for football players, but for any woman who wants to get involved in a female sport. You know, you have Kimi Alizada who won the uh, bronze medal at the Olympics. And, you know, people are, not just men, but men and women are seeing that women are taking a huge step and leap forward to sacrifice their time to be in training all the time so they can win medals for not just the country, but for their team. Mm -hmm. And this was why I wanted to stay in Iran because that passion you do not have anywhere else. Yeah. In the US, I remember it was only pay to play. If you had the, the means to afford to go to the most amazing camp that, or club that you had to be selected to, you had to pay shitloads of money. Here, it's you have kids that are coming with nothing. They have holes in their shoes, socks. They, you know, they have nothing. But they are coming here to play to make that difference for themselves and their family. For example, I, one of my players that I've been with for the past 15 years, her father died of cancer. Her mom has cancer. They are in welfare programs. She has absolutely nothing, but she was the first legionnaire of Iran playing in Turkey. Mm -hmm. She was invited to that UK show called Ultimate Goal. She didn't get the visa for some reason, but, um, you know- Being an Iranian is I mean, that was her, something her like her financial statement, but I mean, she was invited by uh, that show from BT to, to participate in it. Mm -hmm. And now it's like the international scene is blocking off the Iranian women from playing. Like yes, that doesn't mm -hmm. make sense to me. Like we already have enough hurdles to jump inside the country why does the international community have to do that now to not just Iranian women, but women all over the world who are involved in football? But case 
being is that women in Iran have made huge jumps and strides mm. in playing sports, not just football and futsal, but in all sports. And, uh, you know, we've put all our time, money, effort, energy, blood, sweat and tears, you name it, to make that difference. Mm. And we don't want to have people to feel sorry for us because we're the only country in the world that has to wear the mandatory hijab because we've definitely proven that we can still win mm. with or without it. It doesn't make a difference now, but it's, it's just important that we continue that flow. Yeah. Mm. Soccer or football is important to this country and to this nation. And so are women. Women are one way or another the dominant factor here. Either you're religious and you want to protect your women or you do believe that women should be free and there are a lot of challenges there. So I'm pretty sure that if anybody's hearing it and doesn't live inside Iran, probably they won't know that what the what challenges are. And as you say, it makes it even more interesting. Yeah, I mean, I've had, I've had very real. religious families um, have their daughters <clears throat> be involved with my with the national team when I was the head coach. I've had girls from Mashad, you know, from just like very secular, small like groups that mm -hmm. they wanted their daughter to be involved. I had no problem asking permission mm -hmm. um, from the families for the girls to join soccer because as the head coach, I traveled almost to every city possible to go recruit players. My uh, my goal was to leave no one behind. If you had um, passion and love for the game, I would invite you to come to national team training camp and I would train you to become the next football star. Mm. And I even went to like the islands, like Hormoz Island, for example, and you know, Quiche Island. I, I went everywhere to find talent. Mm. I had no problem convincing any family members. Wow. It? No problem. And in fact, the dad would like hack the girl's suitcase, like take my daughter, make her into the next Messi. And we're talking about uh, <laughs> some of the families. Yeah, we're talking about some of the families. Some of those families probably would have a problem. For their daughters to travel no, to they, another they, they city to their, study. They, they pack their girls' bags and it's like, here's my daughter and here's her bag. And yeah, but if you she would say like, want to go to that city to study, probably those families wouldn't be. Wouldn't be There's a lot really of incentives supporting. given to athletes in Iran. Mm -hmm. So if you are um, if you are an athlete, if you played on the national team, there is a lot that is given to you from like a nationalistic point of view. So you have the ability to be admitted to the physical education programs here fairly. I'm not saying fairly easily, but because you had that type of hardcore training, mm. you know, they, they know that you will have a, a good step forward into that program. And it opens doors. I mean, uh, here, as far as like the journalists go, they interview all the players all the time. Every single day, we have our own magazines. We have everything for women's mm. football. I'm sure if you just go to the little Dahke, what do you call yeah. newspapers? You'll, you'll see it if you actually you know, mm. dig through it. Mm. But um, the, the girls are always in the news, no matter what. Mm. And it doesn't matter. You don't have to be the captain or a famous player, but every single individual is always being interviewed. And that's how they come to light. And that's how they're able to actually, um, you know, find that next path forward. Because maybe they can't play, be players forever, but they can be coached after the next step. Yeah. So I've tried to create this program where there's a good life cycle for the players as well. So they can have their own academies in their own cities when they go back after national team. So they can go create more players for us. Yeah, oh, amazing. Sounds... Good for you. Thanks. I'm uh, I'm really quite surprised by that because I I really thought one problem for women getting into sport would be family more so. So it's quite nice to yeah. hear that. That's we, actually we, the live, we live in a football nation. Um, football will not get in the way. Mm. It's the family's dream that someone in the family becomes a football star. I I mean, rest assured, I, I've. The most religious people where I thought that there was no chance in hell they would get, like let their daughter play football, they allowed it. 
Yeah, but there's another side to it because women's volleyball team won in some sort of uh, tournament where a cup, I don't know, really. <laughs> they won something. Mama's looking yeah, at me yeah, as if I'm going to give like, him answers. Yeah, 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 yeah that thing. I'm going to say Asia Cup. <laughs> so they did okay. something and they gave them something, like a cup or whatever, <laughs> the thing, and yeah. a bunch okay. of medals. And uh, they were all over the news in Iran and this Ayatollah. Saying uh, that they're causing earthquakes? That... <laughs> Probably. The tremors happen when women play football. Yeah. When women do anything. Yeah, because we we shake the world, of course. <laughs> there you go. I, I knew there was some logic behind it. Go on. Why yeah, so this gentleman said that basically everybody is saying that we are proud of these women and uh, we shouldn't be proud of these women. Actually, we should be ashamed. Why? Because women were in sports on display and they shouldn't be. Yeah, that's the opinion of one person, but the majority are very supportive. I think the decision makers of the country, if, if they didn't want it to happen, it wouldn't happen. So mm -hmm. majority are for women playing sports. Well, we also live in an Islamic nation and stories like you give us combined with uh, the Ayatollah's comments kind of gives you the kind of suspicion that maybe ultimately this nation is kind of secular. No comment. Well, no, comment. Right. <laughs> yeah. no comment. Which brings us on to... The question of, uh, Kat, I'm interested as to what advice you have for young uh, female uh, sports lovers, I guess, generally. I mean, you, you're probably quite familiar with other sports and women involved in sports generally. But let's say somebody's listening to the show now. They have a passion or, or an interest. How can they get involved or how can they go about improving? Or is don't they football, need to know? Is it, it quite straightforward? They already I mean, know it probably. Actually, no. In Iran, um, I've, I've done a couple interviews and Instagram lives where my question always was like, what can I do to help you get involved in football or futsal per se? They all come to me and like they message me. They're like, we don't know where to go. We don't know where to sign up. We don't know the team. But then I'm like, this doesn't make sense. If you live in Masha, there's over 20 futsal teams in Masha and it's very easy to find them, but you just have to look for it and it's there. Just like anything else that you want to find. Hashtag women's football. There you go. Hashtag, you probably, you yeah. probably find several Instagram accounts with teams showing off how well they're doing. Right? Exactly. Because, I mean, they, they don't show us on TV, but Instagram and social media and the journalists with like you know, the magazines and all of that, they've done a wonderful job of promoting women's football, uh, you know, showing the teams uh, in every single province. And it, it's, it's, it's a lot easier access because we're always on our phones. Mm. We don't might not watch TV that much, but we're always on our phone and it's always available. And if they need help to, you know, get connected with coaches or with a team, you can always reach out to me. I'm always trying to help and connect people together. It's not hard to get involved in women's sports in Iran. Even if you go to Bashka Engelab in Tehran, there's like hundreds of classes there. Hmm. I mean, today myself, I woke up this morning early. I went to a Pilates reformer class. Then after that, I went to the Palladium, to the gym. So I'm constantly being active and it's very easy to find these classes, but you just have to want it and you'll find it. Excellent. So how do you imagine the future of Iranian women's football is short term, long term? I mean, it's, it's been 15 years since it started. And um, from someone who's been with them from day one, I'm actually pretty disappointed that we're not, uh, we haven't been able to succeed or go further because we definitely deserve with the talent that we have to make it to the World Cup at least. And there's just been such a big mismanagement um, with a lot of other industries actually in this country. But we have the talent, we have the potential, you know, all of the above. But why we haven't been able to make it to the World Cup is purely 
down to the management and mm. not just management, but who are they selecting for coaches? Mm. Are you selecting someone who is um, well aware of the other teams that they're playing against? Are they able to come up with a very good planning? Uh, if it's not the management, then maybe it's the coach themselves. Like, are you going out there and reading and understanding and educating yourself on, you know, how can you be the best version of yourself? Mm. That's something that I'm seeing um, as a trend here for the past 15 years. Now that I'm out of the, um, now that I'm back in the U.S., so, you know, I'm seeing it from, a, you know, from the outside. But Iran has so much damn potential, the mm. women's side, to make it to these big tournaments. Mm. If I, as a head coach, was able to go play against some of the hardest teams in the world and beat them after a year and two months of training, everybody else should be able to do that too. Because mm. I'm, I'm a young coach. I know nothing. I just was able to have a really good group of technical directors and coaches alongside with me. And we killed it. Mm. We were phenomenal after just a year and two months. But I'm really hoping and begging my colleagues in women's football or any other sport that you know you Iranians genetically are very athletic, very competitive, and we have the determination to make you know those differences and make it to the top level um, of any tournament internationally or even nationally. Take advantage of it. Excellent. And the next Women's World Cup is. It will be in Australia. Was it supposed to be this year? No, it should be in Australia 2023. I saw that. It was the Japan uh, America was the final, right? For the last uh, World Cup? No, 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 no. It was sweet. Holland and America. Oh, okay. So I watched the Japan game Japan, where, where they, they the Americans score from the halfway line. I remember. Yes, that, that, was the, that was payback. That was payback because Japan, the previous World Cup, beat the US and they won the World Cup. Mm. So that game was payback for... Yeah, that, was a, that was a great game, though. Yeah, yeah. that specific. I don't think I saw the final though. Maybe I did. Uh, but uh, there was there was a lot of interest I saw on on or at least from what I was watching on Twitter of people following. Oh, uh, women's the, football the women's is just football. getting really famous globally. Mm. Um, even in Iran, uh, you have a lot more sponsors coming in, a lot more teams being created, and in the Middle East, you know, you have Jordan, the UAE, um, Oman, and Kuwait that are actually recruiting Iranian talent to come help them build their teams out because. Mm. You know the, the Iranians are just you know football uh, lovers, so yeah. hmm. you have that type of sponsorship happening all the time, and in, even in Iran, um, you know there's a lot more teams happening because people are uh, trying to invest more in women's football. Yeah, because they so, see they see that it's not as difficult in men's, as men's football because hmm. just it, it gets too crazy with men's football. But with women, you know, you give a little bit, they hmm. will you know do whatever it takes to win for you. Yeah. So Timeli, Iranian team, will there be? An Iranian team at 2023 in Australia? If they have a very good schedule and a good a training program, I don't see why not. Because their new head coach is a very good coach. She was my former head coach. And uh, she's finally back after a few years not being involved in women's soccer. But now she's back. And I think she has every capability to do that. Her name is uh, Mariam Irandus mm-hmm. from Shomal. And uh, she has a very great team and, uh, you know, we've connected on so many different levels. And her player list right now, if she can get a good training program for the next couple of years, yes, 100%. Will you be a part of that sort of <laughs> development? I will definitely be a part of uh, the advising advisory side. But after being the head coach for a year and two months uh, back in 2019, I think I've had my fair share of um, being the national team head coach. Mm-hmm. I, I like to be behind the scenes and work on the technical aspects and mm-hmm. help with the, you know, pr- the preparation for the, the trainings and the games and just helping it from a higher perspective. 
Well, good luck with that. Thank you. Yeah. I was going to ask what the future holds for you. You're studying at the moment, if I'm not mistaken. Yes. And uh, well, as you've kind of hinted there, you're going to sort of not be as involved in uh, the women's football. You're looking to move into business realms is the Azeri side of you. <laughs> of course. <calling. laughs> yes. So I, I want to go more towards the sports diplomacy because my aim is long term, it would be FIFA presidency. Mm -hmm. That is my long term goal. But to get there, I mean, to have uh, to study at Rice, which is a phenomenal university, to have that type of program and professors, it's just giving me the diplomatic tools per se. But I, I want to use it for the greater good for women's, not just women, but sports in general. Yeah. Uh, for someone who is American, Iranian, and has traveled all over the world, I, I've I've seen the problems. I've seen where the issues lie for why there cannot be faster advancement in sports. Mm -hmm. And I can definitely, you know, find those solutions for it. So being the head coach at such a young age, it, I mean, I'm happy I have that on my resume. I'm happy I was able to be successful. But now I, I need to go fix those bigger problems so people can advance faster in their respective sports. Well, it's actually really great to see someone who doesn't go through the problems too much and actually offers a solution or looks for a solution. This, yeah, yeah this is a, you know, I'm trying to give something alternatively because everyone, oh, you can find problems in anything, mm -hmm. but to find solutions or to, you know, come up with solutions is the difficult part. Mm. And maybe one is not going to be the right one, but why not give it a try? It might, might fix something. <laughs> no, I, I, this is absolutely refreshing. Thank yeah, you. I'm loving hearing yeah. the yeah. ambition as well. Really, all, all the best with it. I, Thanks. Uh, yeah, I hope we can have you back on the podcast once you are the FIFA president. Yeah. Thank you. Uh, <laughs> you guys can be ahead of my media then. Well, oh, yeah, you heard it. Yeah. You heard it, right? <clears throat> going to get yeah. that right. It is a binding contract. Binding. That was it. There was a verbal contract. I'll give you a COVID <laughs> handshake. COVID <laughs> <Yeah>. handshake. <laughs> oh, don't, don't go there. Don't, don't, don't go don't, there. Don't, I mean, let, let me uh, keep at the level of my misogyny. So. Um, <laughs> so what are we not asking you? What should we be talking about? with the subjects you're quite familiar with, women's football, for example. You guys did a great job of, you know, giving this timeline, the storyline, um, even talking about the the rising issues of uh, women's soccer, not just in Iran, but globally. But um, I, I would love to, you know, kind of move towards how more teams and sponsorships can come and come be involved in women's soccer here, because mm -hmm. A lot of the corporations, you know, they have all this money and they don't spend it and, mm. and no one knows where, they, where the finances go, but why not, you know, start funding women's football mm. is, uh, you know, you are creating a legacy roadmap for mm. these girls for that province, for example. But, um, you know, I, I would love to get onto that side of how can the Iranians start supporting women's soccer? Mm -hmm. How can Iranians start pushing for women's soccer players to be seen globally yeah. and uh, just to, you know, give them that attention that they deserve? Mm -hmm. I've done, I've done advertising around the stadium. Uh -huh. uh, we don't talk about how the money goes around. <laughs> no, but the you know, sanctions have um, stalled a lot of the projects that I've been trying to bring in. Mm -hmm. uh, for example, we were trying to bring Arsenal ladies here to do a, nice. like a good coaching course for the girls, mm -hmm. but that had to stop for mm -hmm. you know obvious reasons. And La Liga from mm -hmm. Spain, they wanted to build academies across the country as well. They haven't been able to do any of that. Mm. So now we are left to depending on ourselves to, you know, continue supporting not just women, but both men, girls yeah. and boys into, you know, creating the future soccer players. Mm -hmm. And it's very difficult because you don't have that. You don't have that type of academy. You don't have that type of education. 
I mean, you have, you know, people who watch football and then they come and like put a team together and they're like, okay, plus, <laughs> but you know, we need to teach, you know, we need to educate these kids because soccer is not just kicking a ball around. Like I learned how to, um, time, I learned time management. I learned how to, um, for example, work with my teammates. I learned how to eat properly and healthy. I learned how to take care of myself psychologically because people never talk about mental health of athletes. We have so much pressure. I mean, I'll, I'll never forget. I had a mental breakdown and I had to put soccer to the side for a whole year because all that pressure, no one understands. Like you're playing for the national team, you're training, you're going to school, you have to be there for your family. You have to travel all over the world. If you have a bad game day, it's like the whole world, like, I'm sorry, but like shit on your head. So it's just like, mm. it's such a difficult um, world to be in. And then, but no one ever offers you the help. They never give you the incentive of like, okay, you need a psychologist, you need to talk about it because it's so much pressure. And it's only recently people keep talking about mental health. And in Iran, I've noticed that the players don't have good mental health. They are, as soon as they make a mistake, for two weeks, they're out of it. It's no. so difficult to get them back on track. And, you know, if you bring them too confident and they still don't play, if you bring, if they have no confidence, they can't play. And mental health is such an important issue for not just, you know, players, but for everybody in the country. Mm -hmm. I think everyone needs to have, you know, someone that they can talk to and have that trusted source, especially national team players, because we have so much pressure on us all the time. Yeah, I'm sure. No, absolutely. Yeah, exactly. Well, I would recommend starting with small local tournaments, if that's possible. Oh, that's because great, that's, yeah. Yeah, well, that's what brings money and generates money, and that becomes interesting. Press coverage, government funds, donations, sponsorships like mm -hmm. that, they won't work until there is a, there is a market. Right, and it's really difficult. Like, I, mean, I would for, love, I would run. love for that to happen to have those local tournaments. Yeah, any run is going to be very difficult because you cannot get women in advertising. So, you, I mean, I mean if so. you search, you have a couple of the top names like uh, like Nasim Golami. She's the national team captain for futsal. Mm -hmm. You have a couple of the football players as well. You've seen you've seen it on the the tableaus on the streets, but maybe you just didn't pay attention. <laughs> but it's just not that viral. And we yeah. need to make it go viral and it cannot just be once or twice. It has mm. to be all the time just right. to embed in people's head. Mm. <laughs> yeah, creating, I think, a market mm. thing. I, I think, I'm sorry, I'm just like a little bit away, but creating a small local market for everything will work better than anything else, I guess. Yeah, so, I'm down yeah. for that. So I would like to continue that conversation <laughs> outside of the podcast. Yeah, let's do that. But uh, I have one question apart from uh, soccer or football. David, uh, thanks. What brings you back to the country? I haven't been back for two years, and so what keeps you from coming back to the country? The first year was uh, I had a contract in the U.S. I was um, so after I said goodbye to the national team, I had a contract out in Seattle for OL Reign, which is like the top um, academy and team in the U.S. So I was the first Iranian American to be given that job, and I'm very proud of it. I had an amazing year. The players were just, you know, next level players. Mm -hmm. um, I had some national team players as well. Mm -hmm. So working with that was a great opportunity to test my coaching skills and to, you know, take it to the next level. Then I was supposed to come back and, you know, that little thing called COVID happened. I've heard um, about that. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I, I, honestly, I um, my heart goes out to everybody who was affected and, you know, lost anybody. But it was such a, everyone dealt with it very differently. Uh, I had to... Um, I had to stay in the U.S. even though I want to come back to Iran. I moved in with my sister. She's married and I have a niece. So I got to spend more time with them. And I've never had that quality time with family before because I was always traveling for soccer. 
And uh, I decided to go to Rice University. I got accepted. Uh, they liked my resume and it's a very difficult program to get into as well. But I wanted to you know, take advantage of my time. But to mm -hmm. come back to Iran after all this time, it's been amazing. Like, I feel very much at home. I feel very comfortable. Uh, the only thing that is different is that all my restaurants have closed down <laughs> and the traffic is actually not that bad. There's just so many, so many more highways and I've been getting lost nonstop. Oh. And I want to reconnect with my family and you know, get back to work because I feel like if I can get permission from my school to continue doing online uh, classes, I'll do that and I'll just move back here mm. because my heart and my, my psyche, everything is here. Everything that I want to do, I can implement it in Iran. Yeah, word of warning. If you're doing an online course, make sure that they accept connections from Iran. So that, that, that's <laughs> honestly my my only issue that I have at the moment because in the middle of one of my, because I'm doing summer school as well, but it's, the connection just all of a sudden got lost. Yeah. But uh, if anyone has any pointers, please let me know. <laughs> and I will stay here. My uh, latest client is one of the big internet providers. Here, so yeah, uh, pay us and we'll tell your name. Yeah, actually, I'm trying to work out sponsorship <laughs> with them at the moment. So uh, do it. <laughs> yeah, I've got a meeting with them tomorrow. Let's see how it goes. Yeah. But um, it would be great to have you back in the country because uh, Kat and I used to hang out back in the days. Uh, and I think you're a little bit dismissive of some of the restaurants uh, around town. There's some good places. Have you been to Vitrine? I've been. That was the first place I oh, went to. I mean, they have they do this some damn good uh, pizzas, right? Listen, it's like as if you're having pizza on Bye Buddy, and I'm a huge Bye Buddy fan. Talk, because you're talking. That's the way it goes now. Yeah. No, but um, I don't know. I mean, I don't, the prices have gone up incrementally, like high. I'm, I'm so shocked oh, by. Come on, you're bringing the dollars across here. It's getting cheaper for you. <laughs> no, but still, like, I mean, I'm just like, how is this person able to afford it? Like, or like, it the, is crazy. It is very it? crazy, but um, the prices have just gone up so much that. The lady was telling it to me. She's like, oh, Punsat has Ottoman. Like six items. I'm like, are you sure? Yeah. Last time I was here, it was just 50 Tomans. But yeah. now it's really jumped up. Yeah. Are you not a fan of Kubaba up the road? I am a fan of Kubaba. Okay. Oh, yeah. They do good stuff. They yeah. do. They do. But like, yeah. I, I mean, now that I'm here, I'm like, I'm strictly going to Persian Okay, so Mohammed, we're going to take Kat downtown to go to Reza Logma. I love Reza Logma. Oh my God, yeah, how good is Reza Logma? Like, I'm a bazaar girl, so like, I love to be downtown and nice. go to those restaurants. Like that's my that's my scene. Yeah, Reza we're going we're going down. So, also, there is there, there are uh, some awesome awesome dirty places up in Tadrish. I'm right? down for that. I want I want some dirty DZ and absolutely. <laughs> and all oh, yes, yeah. Oh, I'm wow. hungry. Me yeah. too. Sometime, sometime soon. soon. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Okay, so did I do my misogyny good and enough? Mohammed, I'm a good. bit surprised. You you sort of came No, I'm proud of you. You were very yeah. I'm a little bit concerned before, that they're before we were recording, I was like, no, just don't be a cunt, all right? Like, <laughs> make the jokes, but just don't be a cunt. Right? <laughs> no, he did good. I mean the way you told me, I was expecting a lot more hardcore. But yeah. Well he was, was he's, he's toned it a little bit down, I think. Yeah. To be honest with you. No, thinking about the kicks I could get. Yeah. <laughs> I actually had to either um, physically or verbally hold back. So I you, chose. You, you chose verbally. the right path. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so should we get to the part of the show where we uh, enlighten our audience as to where they can find you online if mm -hmm. they wish to follow you? Sure. If you like, you can follow me on Instagram at kat.hosro, K H O S R O. And on Twitter, it's uh, kathosroyar as well. 
Uh, I think those are the only two social media platforms yeah, that I kind have. Kind of active on those. Yeah. So, mm. so, and of course, we'll be linking to those on the post for this show. So go to askaniranian.com to uh, find the show and to link through there. We'll probably use Cat's Beauty to uh, draw in more listeners as well. we'll I hope get that a picture can happen. Of, <laughs> not of us. We won't be in the picture, of course. We'll have a picture of you. And uh, Perfect. Mohammed, what other tidy bits and bobs have we not mentioned I don't know. You tell us. I, I don't have anything to say. I mean, you guys are such wonderful. Chastigaris. That's about chastigaris. Get us about chastigaris. Oh, chastigaris. That's phenomenal. Yeah. Have, um, how many chastigaris you had? Not oh, many. In, in this are trip. they lined up when you come back from America? No. I mean, my, my family's done a good job to like... Keep them know, away? Keep them away. Ah. So I apparently I've been married since I was 18. I, I haven't been, but that's, you know, the excuse. That's the story. Yeah, that's oh, the right. story. Because you know you're studying, quote unquote, all but the time. But to be that's honest, the... to be honest, I haven't had that many because as soon as they find out that I'm really involved in like women's football, it's just like the interest completely diminishes. Yeah, so. rightfully so. Women yeah. belong in kitchens. <laughs> now, that's <laughs> <Sure. an interesting, laughs> now that's an interesting topic that we shouldn't really get into. But I'm just like, I've been hearing some, yeah, some. What, the fact that Iranian men are intimidated by yeah, successful yeah, yeah, women? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Is yeah. That, I'm a, would you, would I, you say I, that is a, a I mean, thing? that's like, the, that's what male family members say to me to make me feel better. But honestly, I don't know. Um, in Iran, they're not used to hearing that a woman is can be equally athletic, but at the mm. same time can take care of the family and cook and clean and do all of the the above, but at the same time can be the CEO of a company and run Are the you show. Are describing yourself here? Yes, I am. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, I, I just, I don't think that's everyone's cup of tea. Okay. What's your so. Persian cooking like? <laughs> now you mentioned it's, it. It's I'm really, curious. It's really good. Are you, are you, can you bring the fest in June? Can you? Oh my God, I can bring all are of it. Are you kidding me? You can make fest in June? Listen, my grandma wow. is Azadi and her spirit watches over me when I cook. Yeah. <laughs> because... Do you do fest in June sweet or sour? I do both, to be honest. Hmm. Oh. But I have, and I have like my own style of making it with like tamra hindi or like the anar oh, oh, like syrup oh. and all of that i do not i barely use oil i don't use any of that it's like super healthy mm. cooking traditional style of persian food oh my god now i'm getting hungry the yeah. mention of, of fish and june i've made it once but my 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 talent lies in korma sabzi but the azari style which is with like literally filet mignon oh, okay. or like with the uh, what's it called the um, lamb shank yeah with um the white beans the white chesh, chesh, chesh bol boli. Boli. yeah, yeah. So what's wrong with you at this point? <laughs> now that's what I keep asking. I know what wants here. me. It's like, I'm like okay, yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs> no, but yeah, thirty-three, not married. Yeah, yeah. Jesus was at that age, and he was not married either. So I guess uh, you're, are you comparing me to Jesus right now? <laughs> <laughs> well, I, we would. I'm not dead, suggesting that we're going to crucify you after this, <laughs> but <don't>. anyway. <laughs> Well, there you go. So if anyone, if this does make it to the edit and any, <laughs> if anyone feels like they have the, while well, we're talking about football, the balls yeah. to uh, take on <laughs> a successful uh, woman, there you go. Uh, apply. We'll be taking a percentage of the dowry. Please, of course. Uh, you know, filter. <laughs> you two guys could have to filter that. Make sure the good ones come through. Oh, yeah. Okay, yeah. I'm no, actually, you don't want uh, people who are intimidated by strong and successful women to go no, through yeah. in any way. So, yeah. You shouldn't only be Someone feeling better about yourself. Someone who's gonna love me for who I am and not change me. There yeah, you go. yeah, absolutely. And also for the fest and June making and the all yeah. that. Okay, where's the application form? <laughs> <laughs> we'll, we'll put that with my uh, my social media stuff. Yeah. yeah, we're gonna set a website up. 
Let's do it. The, the Hostigari. Hostigari for cats. Yeah. We'll take we can just go to just apply. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, absolutely. That, that's going to be how you guys will make it to the next level. Get your own studio, all yeah, of the above. Yeah. I mean, we're in a really <laughs> fancy luxury. Now we're just going to get the money and go. We're, just, <laughs> <laughs> we're not going to get a studio. You guys. Uh, yeah. So proud of you. Thank you so much. Yeah. Thank it's you amazing. for having then, me. Well, it's been incredible to have you on the show. And thank you for joining us. And I'm sorry, I didn't mean to say proud of you. You should stay in the kitchen. <laughs> doing warm and I'm I'll, I'll do that for you once <laughs> don't forget yeah. your your health and your life is going to be in my hands maybe I'll slip in a little poison yeah, in there yeah oh. rat poison right? <laughs> and to be honest you'd have it coming as well yeah yeah oh. <laughs> We're, let's end on a high because you can ruin it now yeah, yeah. end so, it quickly before he yeah, thinks exactly. of something end on a good note before he ruins it yeah. so uh, thank you once again for joining us all the best with uh, all the future endeavors I'm really excited. We'll be sort of whoop, whoop, uh, being a big shout out for you to be the FIFA president in the future. Thank you guys for having I'm me. Sure I haven't had there. this type of fun on a podcast before, okay. but uh, I'm so happy I made it to Tehran to do this live with you guys. Thank you. And thank you for coming okay. with us, although we're not. Cut him off, cut him off, cut him off. <laughs> although we're, uh, 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 what? Where's the mic? No, what? Yeah. I yeah. can't breathe. <laughs> <laughs> Right, it's customary for us at this point to uh, say something in Persian to say goodbye. Choice words can be Khodafis. Mohammed, what you got? Bedrood. Oh, that's weird that you say that. Okay. Besalamati. Oh, very oh nice. we're not drinking, by the way, disclaimer. <laughs> but isn't it about like Besalamati, like bye? Your, like, uh, no, it's just Besalamat. Oh, Besalamati is kind to of your help. Cheers. Oh, cheers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Damn. Yeah. 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 We out. We out. Khodafis. <laughs>